To understand geopolitics, you must have the freedom to be honest. The More Freedom Foundation podcast. Hello, Rob. How are you? Not bad. Not bad, Ray. I'll be honest, I'm a little bit frustrated. Why, what could get you frustrated this week as a fellow, as a, not a fellow New Yorker, but as a, as a man that lives in New York? Well, I, I, there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening this week in U.S. politics. We saw a, a tough-on-crime mayor, uh, mayoral candidate uh, get beaten in Chicago, which is pretty exciting. We saw Republican judges in Wisconsin get uh, getting beaten, which is also pretty exciting and basically means that the right to uh, an abortion will be hopefully saved in Wisconsin. Also, that the sort of one-party government that the Republican Party was setting up in Wisconsin will be will be challenged. These are all really exciting, really interesting things that I think would be fascinating to talk about for an hour. But uh, unfortunately, uh, it's Donald Trump once again. <laughs> everybody loves Donald Trump, and everybody loves talking about Donald Trump's half-decade-old payments to strippers, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's uh, that's what we're all obligated to talk about in the media this week. Uh, so uh, I guess that's what we'll be doing today. So what got this going, do you think? Is this totally based on something that's happened, what, eight years ago now? Or Well, there's, there's some question uh, for a long time. We didn't know what was in the indictment over the past 24 hours or 48 hours or so. The indictment has been revealed, but... From what I'm reading, uh, it seems like there's still this hope that there might be something else there, that, you know, Alvin Bragg, the, uh, uh, I guess it's the New York District Attorney, don't quote me on that, the prosecutor in charge of this uh, case might be holding back, or there's the, there's some, something more to it. And it, it's just part of this, this long-term uh, obsession with the idea that we're going to finally get him, we're going to finally get Donald Trump through the courts. And it's an obsession that has been disappointed over and over and over and over and over again. I don't know if uh, the cartoon strip uh, Peanuts translates over to Ireland. I've heard of it. There's uh, Lucy with the football, and the running joke for 50 years in this comic strip was that Lucy would hold the football for Charlie Brown to kick. Mm-hmm. And then as he comes up and he comes up to kick it, she whips it out of the way. And he kicks into the air and he falls on his ass and he hurts himself. And and that would just happen every single time. And I feel like this is just more Lucy with the football. My my broader overarching critique of all this, um, this, this desperate hope that the law will save us, that the judges will save us, that the lawyers will save us, isn't that Donald Trump isn't a criminal. He's clearly a criminal. He's done... Uh, outrageously criminal things across the entirety of his career and certainly as the U.S. president. Uh, But what happens when we let this, let defeating Trump be the business of a bunch of establishment attorneys is what we get, what we have now, uh, both at the federal and the New York state levels, which is politically motivated prosecutors who desperately want to stick something on Trump that manages to avoid sticking anything on anybody else who has any power. So the really, really egregious stuff that we know about the Trump administration, the quite literal billion dollar bribes they've taken from Saudi Arabia, a pardoning of war criminals, uh, the the just, just truly outrageous, horrific stuff. And then in his career, but prior to that, just general manipulation of New York 
real estate laws, federal tax laws, that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of really big, really obvious, really low-hanging fruit that you could definitely ding Donald Trump on and send him to jail on. But we don't want to touch any of that because it implicates all kinds of other people who are in power. There's nobody in the uh, Washington D establishment, Democrat or Republican, who isn't on the hook for Gulf money to some degree. So we're never touching that. Mm -hmm. What we're going to do is we're going to spend six years going for the most ridiculously prescribed, uh, limited investigation of this Russia issue exclusively because nobody really else was dumb enough to take money from Russia. Paul Manafort's whole shtick uh, for, for years was being the one guy who was dumb enough to take money from Russia, and the Trump administration was dumb enough to employ Paul Manafort. Um, and that's, I'm afraid, uh, as we now know, after uh, what, to, what's 2016 to uh, uh, 2017, that's seven years of exhaustive investigations. Mm -hmm. We now know that that's about it, that there yeah. are no real connections between Russia and Donald Trump. And we've spent much of a decade on this sort of absurd wild goose chase uh, when there were obvious crimes that were being committed in terms of Trump's relationship uh, to the Gulf countries that we just completely consciously avoid it because of the way that it is related to uh, other figures of power. In New York State, uh, the New York State Democratic Party, um, New York is just as much a one-party state as Texas is, uh, or, or probably more so. I think Texas is quite close to being, uh, you know, having other states, or sorry, other parties getting voted in, but it's, it's just at that tipping point where it always sides Republican. We we all live in a hope that Texas is a purple <laughs> state, uh, but perhaps it's New York is as blue as mm -hmm. Mississippi is red. I mean, it just just really very very strongly. Um, and what that means is that all of the power sources in a very wealthy state are Democratic. Yeah, uh, you know they might. Uh, they, there's there's an argument. There's a an argument to be made that a lot of the so-called uh, uh, Democrats in the uh, New York State are actually really Republicans. They just just all this five D chess carry on. Yeah, I mean that, that's 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 a much much longer uh, conversation. But the fact is that there's a ton of New York Democratic money wrapped up in real estate, and if you were to seriously go after the obvious, egregious, massive, and ongoing crimes that the Trump family has committed in real estate. There's probably another half dozen powerful families or companies that you'd have to go after who are big Democratic donors. You saw this. Alvin Bragg is, is the hero of the hour. This is the prosecutor in New York. Uh, but a year or so ago, everybody hated him because he came into office and he actually abandoned the large scale investigation of the Trump organization. Um, he had a couple prosecutors who'd been working under the last guy. Uh, in his office for years, uh, you know, putting together some kind of case against the Trump organization related to these real estate issues. But this guy, uh, no doubt, heavily supported by Democratic do donations, came in. And I mean, to some extent, you know, I think he had argued to some extent, and he, I don't know the details, perhaps it's entirely above board and entirely accurate that actually, after years of looking, the prosecutors hadn't really looked into it, you know, hadn't really come up with anything. Those prosecutors left the office and that investigation disappeared. 
Um, I would argue this is a little conspiratorial, and you know, this is just pure speculation. This could be exactly what, what as described. I would, I would, I would speculate that probably because these investigations, when they came up with something real, also implicated practices and individuals uh, that would embarrass other people in New York, mm-hmm. other rich and powerful people in New York City if they had all of a sudden decided that these crimes were to actually be prosecuted as crimes, which, you know, they just haven't been up to this point. So what you have is what we have now. Uh, there's actually two ongoing cases. Well, there's multiple ongoing cases, uh, but the most promising ones are in New York dealing with the Stormy Daniels payments. And I heard it's like the least likely to succeed. There's a couple of others that are more likely to result in a prosecution. Regardless, the New York one is the one that we're we're supposed to be all excited about this. Yes, week. but I think I think having dived into it a bit, uh, I, I do think it's very likely that this too will be Lucy moving the football and all of yes with dirt on her face once again. The Georgia case, I think, is probably the 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 most exciting because that actually implicates a lot of very serious issues and things that he might have done as president, which is specifically around phone calls that he made. I believe, to Georgia officials saying things along the lines of like, can't we find some more votes you know, for me in this election? Just basically give give me the number that I want to win. Wasn't that it? It's, well, uh, obviously, his attorneys would put a different interpretation yes. on what he said, but there are tapes of what he said. Uh, and I don't I don't have the, the text in front of me uh, that could certainly be interpreted interpreted in the way that you described. Of course, I my hunch with the Georgia thing is that's also going to end up foundering on the same rocks that a lot of other supposed bombshells uh, for Trump have foundered on, which is that presidents, there just aren't a lot of good ways to hold presidents accountable in our system. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely something that we should look into. I, I think reigning in presidential power going forward is is really vital. And I actually think that the obsession with, okay, we're going to figure out some way to make Donald Trump pay for his crimes uh, without actually changing anything about how we treat the office of the presidency, I actually think that gets in the way of more accountable presidents in future. I think the argument is, well, well, we're going to ding Donald Trump on something, and then like that means that presidents going further will be constrained. It's like, no, if you want presidents going further to be constrained, as I believe all Americans and frankly all human beings should want, um, you need to put in reforms that constrain the president. But that's not what we want to do here. We want to say, oh, this Donald Trump thing that happened was so horrible. Let's punish Donald Trump. And I mean, so the next nasty Republican president that wants to do anti-democratic stuff, it seems like the main constraint that will be uh, put up if uh, Donald Trump goes to jail over this New York issue is don't pay strippers. Don't give people hush money. <laughs> yeah, don't pay like don't. And, you know, and for most presidents, most presidents, not all, not all, but for most presidents in U.S. history, uh, you know, middle aged to elder men like uh, paying off uh, strippers around sex stories was not generally their concern. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as long as Ron DeSantis doesn't. Um, sleep with any strippers and pay them hush money, um, it doesn't really matter one yeah. way or the other whether Donald Trump goes to, goes to jail. The one thing that this obsession, this failed obsession, this incredible waste of time of trying desperately to prosecute Trump for something, one 
One worthwhile thing, maybe the only sort of silver lining, is that it has highlighted how few constraints we have on the office of the presidency. So if we really wanted to, to, to make a, a good change going forward, we would put limits on the office of the presidency. That's yeah. something we desperately need. Uh, but I've seen nothing along those lines. What um, created this hunt to imprison Trump? Like, was there one incident that upset someone? Because we've had Republican presidents before that, you know, maybe started a couple of wars and that felt like it just sort of got forgotten by the wayside. Uh, beating Hillary Clinton was a was a big deal okay. and a very surprising uh, thing. And it's not that Hillary Clinton was some kind of beloved figure among the establishment or something like that. I think that both the rise of Trump and Sanders really highlighted just the bankruptcy of the elites that had been running this country for the past 40 years. Uh, you know, this can be oversold, you know, it's like, oh, capitalism is dead, this, that, and that. No, no, no. It's, it's, quite, it's quite simply mismanagement, uh, extreme mismanagement under Bush, under Obama, under the Clintons as well. And it's been sort of accelerating and falling further and further out of control. And what was really important to the people running the country is still really important to the people running the country. And not just the elites, I think just sort of the general like top 20% generally, the people in the United States who have benefited from the last 40 years of extraordinary generosity to the wealthy in this country and to the, the upper middle class, the business generally, and those who can afford to own stocks and whatnot. It's the, the problem with Trump, and if you actually face the true implications of why Donald Trump was able to get into power, you have to face up to the failure of those elites. You have to face up to the fact that, oh, wait a second, it, it's entirely possible. I still believe that you know, in the 80s and the 90s, there was a lot of value to be had by being a little more pro-business and being a little more, um, but, uh, but 20 years after 2000, 20 years after the, the tech collapse in 9-11, 10 years after 2008, it's very, very clear. We're 15 years now after 2008. It is very, very clear that things have gone desperately wrong in the United States and we desperately need serious changes. Facing that is not something that people want to do. So instead, everybody's focusing on the symptom. Like facing like, you know, maybe, maybe we could stand to rise, you know, raise taxes by like 5%. You know, maybe we could stand to cut down on our military Infra uh, expenditure abroad, like maybe we could stand to do a real healthcare reform that might cost a little bit of money, but won't cost anywhere near as much money as, uh, you know, pissing away six trillion dollars on Iraq and Afghanistan did. It's like people don't want to make these hard choices, so they look at the symptom of Donald Trump and they're like, "There's something aberrational here. Yeah. This is Russia's fault. This is this was crime. This was something. There was something illegitimate in Donald Trump being able to beat Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump being able to." Uh, beat this 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 um this lovely <laughs> avatar of the establishment that has given us such bounty and such 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 pleasantness and i, I think that's the fundamental thing is that you know lawyers are going to save us um lawyers are going to are going to make things better was hillary really pushing because i don't i just remember her sort of embarrassing personality but i don't remember any great campaign other than aren't i great oh more of the same mm-hmm yeah, she was sort of, she was, uh, and it, it's it, it's not an enviable position to be in, and it's not something that Hillary Clinton should be 
blamed for personally. I, I think I mean, her husband should definitely be blamed for personally yeah. <laughs> for a lot of how uh, things... Think he may have a few scandals like Trump? Well, he certainly got some scandals like Trump, but <laughs> uh, but the, the real scandal is just how he chose to govern and just sort of the limits on financial capital that were very helpful mm-hmm. and uh, helped save capitalism, frankly, uh, during the New Deal, you know, back in the 1930s. Uh, and those limits that he took off um, and led us to this era of financial crisis. So it's it's not Hillary Clinton personally that was so terrible. It was just that Hillary Clinton, who'd had an amazing time uh, since leaving office and sort of believed that, well, that things were fundamentally fine. Things were fundamentally yeah. great. You know, this is, look, look, I mean, look at all this progress we're making. We had a black president. Um we don't prosecute gay people for getting married anymore. And I don't want to diminish those things. Those are great accomplishments. But I think that there's a case out there, and I think it's a pretty good case, that a lot of this, these sort of elites in the United States hold on to those very real social justice victories as a shield against this incredible evisceration mm-hmm. of, for lack of a better term, the American working class that they've overseen. So it's sort of like, it's okay that we have thrown over completely these commitments to uh, a broader, more equitable, safer society uh, that actually has a more flourishing capitalism that, that, that was set up by the Democrats in the 1930s. They've justified in the 1990s, uh, 2000s, 2010s, 2020s, they've justified really throwing that, uh, that out entirely and just cashing checks from banks in Silicon Valley. They've justified that by saying, well, look, we had a black president. Look, things are a little bit nicer for gay people and women. And that's great. And that, that those those are real victories that should not be um, diminished like... but uh, or undermined. But they are also a cover story. They are also a, a reason, you know, the, the fact that we've elevated a few um, African-Americans or elevated a few women or and, and it should not make up for the fact that the plight of... 80% of the people in the United States has declined. Is there some truth to then what Trump's saying about this being a witch hunt? Donald Trump is a criminal. Like, has been since, what, his 20s? Yeah, and there's... Because he there's, just sort of continued his father's empire, which was dodgy at best. And there's there's a fond tradition in the United States of getting criminals on Mickey Mouse bullshit. Well, yeah, is there a, the tax evasion for Al Capone, I think, is the famous Exa- one. Exactly the example I was, I was reaching for. And, I, you know, maybe that, that's probably a little oversold. And uh, I think that, yes, uh, if you've got a, uh, a murderous gangster who has control of most of the court systems of all the jurisdictions that he lives in, mm-hmm. then, yes, it is probably to be a little bit celebrated that the, the revenue agents, the Treasury Department, was able to... Uh, put him in jail for tax evasion. Uh, I don't think um, in the context, like that 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 metaphor is talking about the context of one of the most corrupt systems in human history, the Chicago, uh, the, the, the Chicago politics of the 1930s. So if we're saying that the current system is so screwed up that we have to uh, that we have to find Mickey Mouse stuff to put criminals in jail, then you're what you're saying actually, is that the United States in general is now at a corruption level of like gangland 1930s Chicago, yeah. which um, I would say is probably accurate. That's a scary thing to hear. 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that's funny. Yeah, because I hadn't really thought about that. Like, but yeah, if you're saying like, oh, this is the equivalent of Elliot Ness getting Al Capone on tax evasion charges, well, then you're saying that uh, we're the current U.S. political scene is a nightmare of corruption, and I think that's 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 actually probably accurate. Um, so what what we're seeing both at the federal, I haven't delved in uh, to the extent that I should have. I, I was I was uh, I was derailed by that those excellent legal eagle uh, YouTube videos you sent me, Rory. Those are uh, oh no, legal eagle's uh, a great man. I've I've put together my own video on the Donziger uh, matter, uh, and I now I'm regretting that I've already filmed it because I would have <laughs> I would have changed a few things had I watched that. But uh, so I didn't get into the Georgia thing as much as I'd hoped. Uh, but with the the New York prosecutions and the federal level prosecutions as they stand right now, there's no question in my mind that these are absolutely political witch hunts for New York. Because as I was talking about earlier, they're, they're just like, okay, we didn't get the big things. We didn't get that big thing. We didn't get this big thing. The entire theory at the federal level that Russia was somehow in bed with Donald Trump has been completely disproven. Yeah. Uh, it, it's been a cataclysm. The Mueller report is like a cataclysmic failure. Uh, so what they're trying to do now is ding him on classified records mm-hmm. um, uh, or mis- misallocation or misappropriation of classified information. And while I do see, and I believe there is a great poetry uh, to Donald Trump being dinged for the same sorts of things that were used to sabotage Hillary Clinton in the final weeks of the 2016 election, the big issue uh, it's funny that James Comey, the FBI director, became such a hero of the resistance or what have you uh, for, for standing up to Donald Trump uh, <laughs> because he's probably the guy who's most responsible for Donald Trump's presidency personally uh, because he had a thought that fairness required because he, like everyone else, assumed that Clinton was just going to win no matter what. He thought that fairness you know, dictated that he make a big splash in October uh, talking about how he had to reopen an investigation of Hillary Clinton, dealing with similar uh, record-keeping issues. The problem with the classified documents issue is that, well, A, it was incredibly unfair uh, that uh, Hillary Clinton was hit with it. Yeah. Um, and B, Hillary Clinton was a secretary of state. Donald Trump was a president. And there are, uh, I am by no means like some right-wing unitary executive guy. I'm by no means, you know, a Nixonite or Trumpy, you know, uh, president is incapable of breaking the law uh, type (laughs) of guy. But I do have to say that uh, I am entirely uh, comfortable with saying that Presidents get to decide what's classified and what's not classified. Yeah, no. uh, that that that's 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 not a. I think that it's actually a scandal in this country how many records are considered classified. I think there's something like a million people uh, with uh, top secret clearances or something along those lines uh, in the United States, and it's it's like, and I can guarantee you that nine hundred ninety thousand of them know less about the world than we do. Uh, it's, these are not, it's, it's, it's uh, an absurdity, a bureaucratic tragic comedy that as much is classified as is classified. I think Hillary Clinton was unfairly dinged with this. I think that Donald Trump is also being unfairly dinged by this. To be clear, Donald Trump, because he's Donald Trump and he's a, a, a chaotic uh, yeah, a chaotic mor- moron. I mean, he's just he's just this this like beyond 
I mean, maybe, you know, more, I don't know. He's like the personification. He's like a, a deification of like the chaos monkey. I don't know, whatever. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a mess. Like every president runs off with documents that they technically probably shouldn't, you know, in a suitcase or. Biden got hit with the same thing. Exactly. That are like left around in his, you know, in their, their various domiciles or what have you. That's every president had that happen. And I don't think any Department of Justice would seriously consider attempting to prosecute a president for that until Donald Trump. Um, Donald Trump, of course, because he is this chaos monkey, decided, you know, I'm going to have like a shipping container full of like classified records that are obviously clearly the property of the U.S. government. Da, da, da. But, you know, the, the principle remains the same. Like a president should be able to decide what is classified and what is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I am very much for limiting the presidency. I am not uh, for limiting uh, the presidency on this kind of BS, bureaucratic, crossing T's, dotting I's way. Uh, so the reason that on the federal level, the reason why we're still talking about classified documents is because Merrick Garland, the um, Department of Justice guy, was tremendous, put under tremendous pressure, tremendous pressure by Democrats generally, the Democratic, you know, the Biden administration to some degree, I, I would imagine, uh, certainly CNN, you know, uh, tremendous pressure from the Democratic rank and file to prosecute Donald Trump. Didn't we have this Mueller? Didn't we have this yeah. Mueller thing that that like uh, yielded all this stuff? Because through this like incredible cognitive dissonance, this incredible reality distortion field, there are people who believe the Mueller investigation was successful. They, you know, Paul Manafort, long established, most corrupt Russia, Ukraine guy in Washington, D.C., that the Trump administration was dumb enough to employ, finally, because of his association with Donald Trump, fell afoul of things enough to get prosecuted. Everything else that the Mueller uh, investigation yielded is obstruction, which is very true. Donald, Donald Trump absolutely was involved in obstruction of this investigation. Um... So maybe you could prosecute him for something along those lines. It seems difficult. Yeah. Um, and I think Merrick Garland, the 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 um, he's he, he's the DOJ guy, right? He's the Attorney General, right? Uh, Merrick Garland uh, is knows that obstruction would be very difficult, so he doesn't want to mess with that. But they didn't like actually the Mueller investigation didn't yield anything. It yielded a bunch of pros- uh, convictions for people who lied to the FBI. Um, Donald Trump surrounds is a sleazy corrupt guy who surrounds himself with sleazy corrupt people who are also really poorly advised by a legal counsel and were dumb enough to think that they could get away with lying to the FBI. They were not lying about anything substantive. There was nothing revealed by this national um, ordeal. But what the New York Times, CNN, all these talking heads who put so much effort into, you know, Democrats, never Trumpers, hashtag resistance, whatever, all these people who put so much effort into the excitement of the Mueller investigation didn't tell anybody that the Mueller investigation had failed. They've been like, no, 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 no. Look, look at all these convictions. Whitewater didn't get any convictions. <laughs> Mueller, that was very successful. That was a big deal. Look at this big report. It's a big report saying that uh, Donald Trump obstructed this investigation into nothing that yielded nothing. So all just technicalities? Yeah. So there's a lot of people who... Um, quite rightly because of what they've been told by people they trust at CNN, the New York Times, mm-hmm. the Democratic Party, um, talking heads, resistance, neocons, what have you, 
expect there to be some kind of prosecution of Donald Trump at the federal level. Yeah. Uh, Merrick Garland, um, you can say a lot of things about Merrick Garland, um, but he is a competent attorney. And he is aware, uh, he is not reading the special magical lenses idea of, um, of that CNN applies to the Mueller report. He's reading that as a hard-nosed attorney who's saying, oh gosh, there's nothing here. Um, so what happened was he was delighted uh, to see, uh, you know, in some far office of, uh, was it the FBI or was some other office in the DOJ that was responsible for this, you know, bureaucratic records nonsense? And is like, excuse me, Mr. Garland, yeah, Donald Trump won't, you know, he's lying to us about the, the, the boxes of documents we know he has. And Merrick Garland's like, yes, not only do I have a reason to go into uh, Mar-a-Lago and make a big, you know, frou-frou about that, I have a legitimate, indisputable, rock-solid reason to prosecute Donald Trump for something. <laughs> and it's Mickey Mouse hogwash. I mean, just the the fevered um, anticipation, ooh, maybe, maybe these documents had something special about China, or maybe he was going to give weapons information to Russia, or like, it's like, it, it's almost certainly like the the transcripts of like, him asking uh, uh, Sean Spicer what kind of McDonald's he likes best, or something. Yeah. It, it, it's if there's something, if there's a smoking gun there, it is. Um, I mean, who knows? Could be, could could very well be. But I think if the they chances... realistically prosecuted Trump properly, how many other people do you think would fall with him? Properly along what you mean? Like if you were to prosecute him for actual crimes that were substantial and that implicated other people that are high up in office, you know, if you did, if you properly went thoroughly through to clean out the system, let's say. Well, so the problem, it's a constitutional problem, really, is the difficult of prosecuting a president for actions as president. That is really, really really challenging. Uh, yeah. the, unfortunately, the impeachment, uh, and I do, I thought, I thought that the, um, yeah, Trump was impeached twice. Um, you know, had we had two trials in the Senate? <laughs> I think that both of those cases were things that totally merited with uh, removal. Uh, my opinion, I think the, the, the Russia thing, I'm perfectly fine calling the Russia thing a hoax. I use the term Russia hoax, which is a very loaded, Trumpy way to yeah. call things, but that's what I believe, uh, that the Russia investigation was a hoax. The Ukraine issue was not a hoax. I mean, that was the most incredible thing was that uh, I think the timing of this was actually quite quite there. You know, the Mueller report, um, an honest reading of the Mueller report, it comes down, it exonerates Trump entirely. And the very week the very week that he's exonerated completely from this Trump-Russia connection, he commits exactly the kinds of crimes that he's excused of uh, committing around the 2016 election, around the 2020 election related to Ukraine. It was just one of the most extraordinary things. So yeah, he was entirely legitimately impeached uh, by the House of Representatives for um, the Ukraine election tampering stuff. Yeah. It would have been entirely, would have solved a lot of problems if uh, we would have had a much better president, uh, I believe that Mike Pence would have been a much better president to have during COVID mm -hmm. uh, than Donald Trump was. I, I believe- Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I believe a dead dog would have been a much better president <laughs> to have. Yeah, someone who, who believes that government is capable of things. Um, and Pence isn't particularly, you know, someone who believes that particularly strongly, but he, he does more than Trump does. But yeah, he's mm -hmm. much more like a normal human being than Trump. Yes. 
So I think that we'd be a much happier country because my understanding is that if a president is impeached and removed, there's an implication that they are also barred from running again. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that the real reason for this? Um, well, the thing is, though, I don't see a realistic way for these proceedings to actually bar. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe I'm I'm being a bad attorney, and I'm not. I haven't found the. Maybe there is some relevant passage that if you know of election law, but I, I don't think so. I don't think he's automatically barred. I think if he had been impeached, uh, sorry, he was impeached, that's what it means, but if you have to be impeached by the, the House of Representatives and then you are removed in a trial in the Senate. It, had he been removed uh, either of the two times he was impeached, um, he would be barred. I believe that's how that works. Okay. But just because there's an ongoing trial, I think if he's a felon, like if he he's convicted, then maybe it's it's more difficult to run. But you know, then he could just be written in anyway. I don't know. Or maybe there's something in the Republican Party bylines that bans him, that bars him. I don't, I don't, I don't know the details on that. It's just that I'm so sick of this idea that oh, we're gonna we're gonna you know figure it out in the courts. So yeah, so so Merrick Garland basically has this incredible political pressure on him to prosecute him for something, and Donald Trump. Uh, and his uh, team of truly bizarre uh, legal legal representatives. Just I, it's extraordinary. You, you can watch it just from. Rudy Why does the representation in America work? Like, um, can a lawyer turn down a client, or do they have to take any client that you know asks for their service? Everybody is entitled to, I believe, everybody is entitled to representation. Mm-hmm. They are not entitled to the representation of a given attorney. I think so. Is it possible a lot of attorneys have turned him down? They don't want to work with him. Oh, absolutely. And I think you've got stories from the Trump administration of attorneys breaking their relationship with Donald Trump. Fairly establishment stuffy conservative attorneys who love everything that Donald Trump is about and try to work with him for six months and are just like, I, I need to I need to worry about my law license. I need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you could argue that this is, I think this is actually not an answer to your question, but I think the most ho- high, highest, in the spirit of your question, the most high profile example would probably be uh, Barr, uh, his attorney general, uh, who was a, uh, uh, was a long-term, it's a William Barr? I could be wrong about that. I was complaining about him recently because he's, you know, enough of a a lunatic right winger. He was writing one of those op uh, op eds saying that the U.S. should invade New Mexico uh, recently. Um, but well, yeah, William Barr was sort of a uh, old sort of juggernaut of the establishment, not establishment actually, pretty hard right, but establishment ish. Uh, he was the attorney general for the closing years of Donald Trump's uh, administration. And he's almost entirely written Trump off, is writing tell-alls, you know, about what a lunatic this So is that why he's pretty much surrounded by a lot of um, unique individuals, shall we call them? Yeah. His legal team. Yes. Uh, because he's impossible to work with. And uh, if you're talking about the Stormy Daniels issue, uh, uh, Michael Cohen was an incredibly loyal uh, Trump uh, attorney uh, with a very uh, sort of, you know, almost mob lawyer sense of loyalty and certainly self-presentation. A uh, very classic uh, New York City type uh, figure, uh, and he ended up going to jail for Trump and cheering on Trump, and uh, that's uh, part of. Well, there does seem to be this habit: if you help Trump, you go to jail, and Trump still goes to Mar-a-Lago. Well, yeah, because Donald Trump is, you know, was the president, um, and that's uh, that's what's key about this current 
prosecution in New York is that this is prosecuting him for activities before he was president. Mm-hmm. But he's done a lot before. Do you think there's a, once you reach a certain level of wealth, are you yeah. able to just evade jail altogether? Um, not altogether. I think okay. we do still thankfully live in a country where... Well, yeah, Epstein did face justice eventually. Yeah, or if you murder somebody. I, I, yeah, I, it has to be very obvious. Yeah, I don't know the details, uh, but there was there was some rich guy who murdered his family recently, and it's been in the news. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't follow that sort of thing. Uh, but you know, you can't, you can't, you can't. The famous line that Donald Trump said that he could go out and shoot oh, yeah. somebody on Fifth Avenue and still be elected. Uh, I don't think that's quite that wasn't pushes the limits of his success. Doesn't go quite that. Well, there's also an interesting wrinkle to Donald Trump is that he was famously bankrupt. Uh, for a lot of the 90s. And generally speaking, people are less willing to go after somebody uh, if there isn't money in it. Well, um, that makes sense. So uh, he managed to survive a lot of really nasty things. So most of the companies that were um, representing him or that he was affiliated with uh, during all the nasty stuff he did in the 70s and 80s disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, because he was bankrupt, so they they all they all went away. So that's sort of another part of his sort of Teflon. But absolutely, rich people get away with a lot, and this is this is the case over and over with Donald Trump. He's much more egregious. He's much more offensive and in your face. But he is a representative of a class that gets away with things. Presidents get away with things. Yeah. I would argue, even to a degree. I mean, every president has to be a mass murderer. I think there's a lot of talk about, oh, we got to get Bush at the Hague and this, that, and the other thing. And I mean, honestly, in Bush's case, like he was such an absolute disaster that like, Mm -hmm. I would like to see him prosecuted. I'd like to see him prosecuted in the United States. Um, But like, if you do send a president to the Hague, does that mean that every president going forward can't use military force in any context? You can probably make an argument that'd be a good thing. I wouldn't go that far, you know? Like, so presidents should have privileges that other humans do not. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of how this system works, unfortunately. I mean, that's that's a legal concept as well. Uh, uh, this tortures things a little bit, but sort of sovereign immunity, you know, the, 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 the idea that a government has certain rights or certain immunities from prosecution that other folks don't, and a president benefits from some shades of that. But he's also representative of New York real estate rich guy. New York real estate rich guys get away with a lot. There's a lot of stuff that just fundamentally, uh, New York state law, federal law, even tax law, uh, the owner of real estate is tremendously privileged in U.S. and federal law. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always been the case. I think that's the, the case to some extent in most developed economies, but it goes much, 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 much further um, in the United States. I was sort of I guess, I was listening to a podcast recently. I think it was like an Odd Lots episode where they were talking about how landlords and uh, property owners in the United States have infinitely more rights and freedom and operate in one of those amazingly, so I wouldn't call it a deregulated market, but a, a, a market where every other player is heavily regulated, but they are not. Yeah, it's sort of property goes away up much more yeah. than wages. Yeah. I mean, that's conscious to a degree. It's sort of this idea that we want, you know, we want to have those kinds of privileges for property holders. That goes back to the 1700s in the United mm-hmm. States. Uh, so if you were to actually go after Donald Trump for the obvious tax evasion he's always done, well, then you'd sort of have to go after 
all the other New York real estate <laughs> developers, even though Trump is for sure worse. But if you decide all of a sudden that, oh, these things are actually crime, then, you know, the, the, the nature of things changes. Uh, so, yeah, it's um, it's uh, incredibly... It's a huge house of cards that they would like to keep up. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think the house of cards, it'd be nice in some ways if it was a house of cards. I think it's it's actually rather a house of steel and rock. Uh, it, it is, uh, that's sort of the, just this incredible bouncing off of, we had an incredibly corrupt, uh, incredibly um, bad president. He's still a massive public figure three years later. He was a public figure for two years prior to that. And you'd think that the result of that, of that would be like, oh gosh, we need to do serious investigations and changes around how we organize things in this country because something like this happened. And I think the sign that it is actually a house of steel and iron rather than a house of cards is the fact that eight years later, you know, since 2015, since he rode down that escalator, we've seen essentially zero changes to how we, at the powers of the president, the way that New York real estate is organized, the way that elections are organized, we've seen nothing change. And a key part to changing nothing is getting everybody excited about the, ooh, 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 look, he's sitting in a courtroom in New York. Something's going to happen this time, guys, we swear. Yeah, it's, it's so I think, I'm sorry, there's a very long way to answer the questions earlier. I think you've got Merrick Garland at the federal level, who's got a lot of pressure to do things, and he found some Mickey Mouse a BS that, you know, exclusively Trump did worse than everybody else with the classified yeah. document. I don't expect that to lead anywhere, especially since we heard that Biden is guilty of similar uh, stuff on a much lower scale. Mm -hmm. um, I expect in New York, you had Alvin Bragg came in and shut down a lot of the deeper, more serious investigations into New York real estate crimes by Trump. And now he's decided to go for a little bit of, uh, I don't know, is there another election coming up? Is it, and I think he's got a little while ways before that. Yeah. He's decided to go for uh, this little sort of quick sugar rush of, look, we've got Trump in a courtroom. <laughs> um, and I, but nothing's going to happen until December, so that's it. Yeah. Just looking through some of the analysis, there's just so much here. Uh, just right before this, I was watching a legal legal video, and he pointed out that the statute of limitations... <laughs> on this is already lapsed. Like, oh. There's a bunch of really convoluted <laughs> ways that you can claim that it hasn't. But like when we get beyond the point of like, okay, we've got our arraignment, when we get to an actual trial, these are things that people are going to be weighing. Wait, the statute of limitations has pretty much expired. The, um, uh, I mean, I think technically like once the arraignment happens, the statute of limitations is no longer, you know, it, it is no longer, uh, the clock a little longer ticking, you know, you're, you're now dealing with the matter, but it, it, it's just, you know, it's sort of the, tour, the end of limitations. There's this uh, point that uh, apparently the crimes, the, the main crimes, there's 32 count felony counts, um, and they're almost all related to falsifying business records. Mm. And in most cases in New York, falsifying business records is a misdemeanor. Um, Otherwise, nothing would get done in New York. You're not going to comment on that. Yeah, I'll take, I was going to say, I'll take the fifth on that one, but no, that, that would be a business records thing that they are supposedly dinging him on does raise the level of a felony, which then I think would create difficulties for his campaign if you can prove some kind of associated crime. And what Trump's lawyers, hopefully more competent lawyers this time, are going to argue is that, wait a second, like, 
why is New York looking into federal election crimes? Yeah. The Department of Justice had the opportunity to prosecute Trump for this and did not. That's a little unfair because, of course, they did not opt to prosecute Donald Trump at that time because he was the sitting president. Um, and I think it would have been William J. Barr, uh, you know, Trump's you know, attack dog at the DOJ making that decision. Uh, but still, it, it, it's very tenuous. And I kind of expect this to lead nowhere as well. Uh, to be clear, I hate this topic. I hate reading about this topic. I hate mm. talking about this topic. So my judgment of this topic could be clouded and entirely wrong. Go listen to the New York Times Daily. Go read the Washington Post or CNN or a million other sources that seem to actually care about uh, this sort of thing. <laughs> I, I, I decided in uh, 2016 and put up a video saying that all this Russia investigation stuff is nonsense, uh, meant to sort of cover up for the military industrial complex that I believe to be largely responsible for the fact that Donald Trump was president in the first place. Um, I think that all this legal... The courts will save us. Mueller will save us. This, that, and the other thing is an active uh, ploy to keep from making the reforms and changes that we need to make in this in this country. Um, so yeah, I'm prejudiced against this issue. So I could be entirely wrong. Maybe this is the one that's got him. You know, we're gonna see him in handcuffs. He's gonna go to jail for a year. He wanted handcuffs, but they wouldn't let him. Oh really? Is that is that what happened? I think he wanted it for the cameras that would look better. And oh yeah, they're great. Because he keeps asking for money, surprisingly. <laughs> Shocking. Shocking. Imagine yeah. imagine that. Yeah, that would have been those would have been great visuals. You didn't pop down and have a look at the spectacle? I did not. I think I had to wash my hair. I don't know. I, I had I had absolutely anything other to do. Anything else to do. Uh, that was I think that was as of recording. I think that was yesterday afternoon. And you know, it's funny because I didn't actually know that he was being arraigned. I have okay. such a block. Uh, it was only this morning. You have a Trump filter? I have a Trump filter. I don't, I just don't pay attention to anything Trump related. And, you know, on hopefully not, but possibly on January 2025, uh, in January 2025, I'll have no choice but to pay attention to Trump again. But until then, I'm staying mostly blessedly Trump free. But I'm also, uh, we're going to record another episode today that'll come out a week later talking about Donziger, uh, Stephen Donziger and the Chevron case, uh, something that I've uh, been investigating. I was like, oh, I should maybe just go down there and get some B-roll. And it's kind of funny that I would have actually... You would have just got loads of Trump when you're trying to get away from him? We, exactly, exactly. So the, the Southern District of New York, uh, which is where the uh, the, the federal court, uh, which is where the Donziger matter is being handled, is in part of the same compound as the state court where... Uh, New, uh, where Donald Trump is was just arraigned yesterday. So yeah, I would have I would have inadvertently found myself part of that circus, and I'm uh, I'm I'm glad I didn't go down there. <laughs> this this whole this whole thing just irritates me. But realistically, it's just going to be house arrest, isn't it? It's not. He's not going to go into an actual prison. I would be super super surprised if it even got to that point. It's just going to be stay in your giant mansion, and you can. It'll be like well. <laughs> It's maybe not, it's not, I'm not classifying as anywhere near as bad as Epstein, but do you remember his sweetheart deal, which is basically, as long as you're home for bedtime, you can run about wherever you want. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, that was quite, quite a, quite a scandal. It feels like something like that will happen. It's, you know, he's not going to be getting shanked. I would be very surprised and pleased, surprised, I mean, let me emphasize, I would be surprised and pleased 
if this related, if this resulted in any kind of serious conviction. Um, I, I'd say most likely it's going to be some kind of misdemeanor slap on the wrist. But he's had, I think he's had quite a, well, he's had, um, he's lost plenty of court cases anyway and had a Sure. Fine. He's, you know, I, you agree, I actually don't know to what extent. So he's definitely lost civil cases. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, but I don't know if he's ever lost a criminal. Oh yeah, yeah, not a criminal, but yeah, ones where they settle out of court and he accepts. Yeah. You know, we don't hear the full thing. I know he says he always wins every case, but uh, I think he's lost quite a few. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's... Uh, but yeah, it'd be great than criminal. I'm not going to deny it. Even as somebody who finds this whole uh, idea sure of getting Trump to be a waste of time, I'd sure would love to see him convicted of something. Do you think it would make any anyone else high up uh, think twice about criminality? Think twice about bribing uh, strippers? <laughs> not specifically that, but just the, just a wee reminder that although you could be the president, you might still get arrested on something, some nonsense that. Um, if enough people have you in your crosshairs, I think it's a good precedent. But honestly, the I feel like it would be more likely to tell people to stay within the lines. As a president, don't don't piss off the national security state. Don't piss off uh, other people in power. I think that's and that that's then especially that that's another reason why it's worse to do this vindication or improvement by court case is it's more likely to tell an individual that they need to not screw up, not mess with the establishment, rather than actually making new laws, making new policies around what a president can and can't do. That would actually limit presidents going forward. Uh, if Donald Trump finally does get dinged, um, it's going to tell people, Ooh, well, maybe I shouldn't have made, maybe I shouldn't make as much noise as Trump did. Well, it's bold in the establishment because it's basically said we don't need to change in any way, shape or form. If anyone challenges us, we'll get them on some nonsense. Don't have to look inward in any way. I think the whole process of the Trump prosecution thing has been about uh, the establishment covering its behind. I think mm -hmm. that's that's the main thing here. It's about just desperately, desperately, desperately avoiding any responsibility or self-reflection as to what, you know, how the U.S. system had gone wrong to the extent. And why Trump did so such. well. Such an obviously malicious clown as Donald Trump could have been. Because I think quite often he has the the habit of bringing up genuine problems. Obviously, his solutions I think generally are incredibly wrong. But mm -hmm. the issues that the establishment have created, I know he's, you know, to say he's not part of the establishment, but you know what I mean. He's not part of mm. the establishment. He's, I mean, Donald Trump is an establishment figure, but as often you know can be the case, a member of the establishment decides that they can get something by positioning themselves as an anti-establishment figure. Yeah. And that that's uh, that you see that across history over and over and over again. It, it, it is high politics at its best. A, mm -hmm. a, a, a sort of you can go back to Roman and Greek examples mm -hmm. where where often, you know, some of the most rebellious figures in that uh, those milieus were members of the establishment. The Gracchi were sort of the famous uh, tribunes of the people, and they were wealthy patricians. Uh, so Donald Trump is a figure like that, that mm -hmm. thought he could get ahead, thought he could get an edge in uh, by uh, condemning a lot of people that had made a mess of things, uh, which it's true. He was not implicated, though there's certainly some 
uh, dispute. You know, he claimed he was always against the Iraq War, which is you know can be disputed by a lot of recordings of Donald Trump in 2003. Yeah. But uh, he generally seems to just say whatever he can. The interviewer wants. Like there's footage of him being pro Hillary when uh, Michael Moore was interviewing him in the 90s. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, I mean, he was a Democrat until he was trying to run for the Reform Party or, yeah. or what have you. But 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 it is true that Donald Trump was not, in fact, uh, in part because he's such a clown, you know, was not directly implicated in the 2008 financial crisis, not directly yeah. implicated in the Iraq war, the war on terror, the wasting $6 trillion in Iraq and Afghanistan. He was not personally part of that. So to that extent, he was not a member of the establishment. Um but yeah, it, it's uh, it is I think emboldening the establishment to continue with this this never-ending merry-go-round of prosecutions against Trump, rather than making actual reforms to what a president can and can't do. What or, reform would you like to see? I think that the Donald Trump presidency requires some kind of more. I haven't really thought about this at great length, but I think it would require some form of oversight for presidents, uh, further limitation of presidential powers. Uh, Donald Trump specifically requires that, but also just in a more broader sense, less dealing with you know presidential criminality. We need a federal government in the United States that functions more along the lines of what the Constitution intended. The legislature, the Congress, was supposed to be the most powerful institution in the U.S. government. That has not been the case for a century. And I think our instinct over and over and over again is to see this weak and ineffectual Congress and to put in reforms that make that Congress weaker and less effectual. Uh, in the 1990s would be the classic example. There were some very legitimate uh, congressional scandals, uh, corruption scandals, and Newt Gingrich, uh, Republican leader at the time, used that as an excuse to make Congress weaker and dumber. And you know, when the U.S. government was put together in the 1700s, the federal government was like 50,000 people and like 48,000 of them were federal mail carriers. You know, there was very little, you know, there were, there were probably about 2,000 officials, I'm making up these numbers, but you know, there are a couple thousand officials that the hundred people in Congress had to oversee and, you know, try and figure out what they're doing. They are now, you know, contractors, soldiers... Uh, and actual paid-up bureaucrats included something along the lines of 14 million people uh, working at the president's direction. And Congress has maybe like two or three more times more people than they had in the 1700s. It is a competition that they are losing, and the Constitution intentionally sets up a competition, uh, uh, checks and balances between the executive and the legislative. And I think we just need a stronger Congress more generally. We need a Congress that is better paid. We need a Congress that has more people working for it. We need a Congress, crucially, that has more independent uh, sources of information that they control. Because at this point, they're entirely at the mercy of executive branch agencies and lobbyists uh, for their very understanding of the government they're supposed to be overseeing. So, I mean, I think that, yes, Trump does require some kind of further limitation on presidential power. Um, as to what exactly that would look like, I, I have not thought that out. But I think just generally, uh, and Trump or not, uh, Congress needs to be more powerful and needs to be uh, more in the driver's seat of what we're doing in this country um, because it hasn't been. 
for the past century, and it, it's been falling further and further in disuse uh, and decrepitness over the past 40 years, uh, and it's benefited nobody. Realistically, can you see that ever happening? Anything can happen. Okay. <laughs> Anything can happen. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, uh, The if you look at um, the transition from the Gilded Age, uh, people talk a lot about our current time period as the new Gilded Age, but this yeah. period in the 1880s, 1890s, that was extraordinarily corrupt, extravagantly corrupt. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of development agencies, uh, you know, international journalists who are very snooty about the levels of corruption that you see in the global south, you know? Uh, and I, I, I got to tell you, Pakistan, Nigeria have nothing on New York in the 1890s. Nothing. <laughs> like, like, we, like, just nightmarish. I mean, just that's the way we did things. You know, in the 19th century, this thing called the spoils system. You know, I was talking, you know, there are like 500,000 people that work in the federal government. All of them would get fired every time there was a new president. Wow, that overstates it a little bit. But like, but, but you know, vast swaths of people would be fired so the president's friends could come in and have jobs. I mean, that mm. corruption was insane. And through a series of movements in the early 20th century, the progressive movement did a few things in the teens. And then in the 1930s, we had the New Deal, did a lot more things. Mm -hmm. We sort of established this idea of what a functioning government should look like in the United States. And there were uh, more or less contemporaneous, in some cases a little earlier, in some cases a little later, reforms in Europe and Japan that also helped to establish those ideas mm -hmm. um, of what a, what a functioning, sane government should look like. And I think that we, it's just time for another set of reforms like that. It's time uh, to sort of move forward in that direction. And I think there are a few minor examples of Joe Biden doing a few things that are worthwhile. I think one of the greatest problems, one of the greatest reasons why Donald Trump has never been dinged, um, you know, he was bankrupt uh, through the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, the IRS is like, what am I coming after here? Uh, yeah. um, and then by the aughts, what happened, uh, I think we've talked about this before, but the Internal Revenue Service, the U.S. Tax Authority, was systematically defunded by the Republican Party uh, under Republican and Democratic presidents, you know, who were forced, you know, Democratic presidents were more forced into this. Republican presidents were more eager to do it. Uh, but essentially defunded the tax authority in the United States. We were on the way to, you know, famously, uh, Greece is a country where people don't really pay taxes. Um, and we were getting there in the United States. We, I, that, I mean, we were all the way there, but we were, we were proceeding in that way. It was to a point where all, there were vastly more audits of uh, people who were receiving the earned income tax credit so the poor, some of the poorest people in the country, there are vastly more audits of them than there were of the 1% of the richest people because the IRS could simply no longer afford the people uh, that would go after the complexity of wealthy people's tax bills. So one of the very, very big reasons why we've never been able to ding Donald Trump on something more substantial is that for the past 15 years, the IRS hasn't had the resources to go after rich people anymore. Yeah, um, Joe Biden has changed that. As, as part of the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, he over ten years he gave essentially eight billion dollars a year uh, to the IRS to rebuild itself. 
that is progress. That is, you know, moving things forward. Uh, and I, I think there are, you know, there's Lena Khan at the FTC. There are signs that we're beginning to use the tools of the New Deal to yeah. actually put a bit of, you know, put things back in order a bit. And I, so I do think it is possible. I'm not hopeless about serious, meaningful change. And God, if, if nothing else, Donald Trump should be an indication that um, serious, meaningful change is necessary. So more IRS and less Donald Trump then? 20-something, early 30-something me would be appalled to hear that I was calling for something <laughs> like that. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah, more IRS. Yeah, I'll tell you quite simply, if there is better IRS enforcement, there will be fewer Donald Trumps. That's, that's guaranteed. Yeah. That is guaranteed. Um, so, yeah, I think that's uh, something we should... Our words of wisdom for this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I suppose so. More, yeah, you give the IRS some more money and you'll have fewer Donald Trumps. Here's hoping anyway. Well, we'll catch you next time at the More Freedom Foundation podcast. The More Freedom Foundation is also available on YouTube and TikTok. Rob's Twitter is Rob Law, and he's also written a book called Avoiding the British Empire, what it was and how the US can do better. And music provided by Kevin MacLeod. <laughs>